More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, right back at it. Told you we'd be here today, and we are. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network, the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies and all other studies that matter. There are no graduates, and there are no degrees because the learning never stops. Great to have you, as always. Telephone number, want to be on the program, 800-282-2882. The president has been hinting at a massive economic growth number the past couple of days, past couple of days at his rallies. By the way, the next Trump rally is scheduled at 1.30 this afternoon, about an hour and a half from now. It'll probably get started on time, close to it, in Tampa, where there are already and have been thousands of people already in place, lined up, ready for yet another Trump rally. I've got pictures here of Kamala Harris. She was at a rally. I don't even remember where it was. It was, uh, I guess it was Arizona yesterday. In fact, Brian, since I'm talking, we've got these two pictures up here that we can contrast. We'll put them on the Ditto Cam. And for those of you that don't have the Ditto Cam, if you're not a subscriber at RushLimbaugh.com, you're not watching the program, we'll put it at RushLimbaugh.com, the website eventually. There is Kamala Harris. There she is at a car horn rally in Arizona. Why even bother? That's it, folks. That's the crowd that she drew. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six cars. And that, that the angle of that photo is designed to show the crowd. It's taken from behind her. You can see her there on stage. Now let's switch over to Trump and look at that that's just one of his two rallies yesterday in um in Arizona and i remember back in 2016 that everybody was saying crowd size yeah you can't extrapolate crowd size and and uh, and vote turnout you just can't they've never been able to do that in politics and they're saying it again this it's amazing these gigantic crowds for trump which are larger than they were 4 years ago don't matter they just don't matter. They're not a factor. The fact that Biden, Kamala, 
Barack Hussein Obama are not drawing flight. No, that doesn't matter either. At at any rate, it's uh, it, it, it's it's fascinating to watch all of these professionals try to suppress the vote, try to depress you and and uh, otherwise dispirit you. Anyway, back to me. Thank you, Brian. Now the. Uh, President, as I say, been hinting at a massive economic growth number, a massive GDP number. Today, it was released. Third quarter GDP, 33.1%. This is, in fact, the V-shaped recovery that the that she was in Tucson. Okay, that's where Kamala, Tucson, Arizona. It doesn't matter where she was. Nobody showed up to see her. She, um, V-shaped recovery, 33.1%. This is the best economic recovery in history. And, folks, it only happened because of the things Trump put in place. This is not automatic. It is not something that was going to happen anyway. When the economy is solid... We can survive a massive unknown hit like this thing by the coronavirus. What you're seeing here is the result of what happens with a closed economy in the second quarter and then an open economy the third quarter. What it means is that we could use even more stimulus. We need Congress to get rid of this Pelosi roadblock. You need to get Folks, the evidence is so clear. The Democrats are the roadblock. The Democrats are, this would not be possible if the Democrats were in the White House, if Biden or whoever was in the White House and and everything else that had happened happened, would not be possible. We wouldn't have had 33% GDP report today. We'd be locked down. We would be shut down. In fact, there's a, uh, there's really a scary, scary story today. I just saw this before the program started. And I wonder where I, if I put it in the stack. I don't. I don't. Uh, don't really need it. It's a story about uh, Australia or New Zealand or one of those places over there in the uh, Australia area. And it is Dr. Fauci. And uh, uh, somebody is asking Dr. Fauci. Well, look, look what happened either in New Zealand or Australia. They shut down for a hundred eleven days. And they got rid of all their cases of COVID-19. And Fauci says, yep, it's exactly what we need to do. Shut down for 111. Shut down for 111 days. Do you realize that's over three months? That's that's three and a half months these guys are talking about shutting down. This is Dr. Fauci. And I guarantee you, if Biden's elected president, Fauci is going to be running COVID-19 policy. 111 days. If these people get the power to do that, you can kiss your economic recovery goodbye and everything associated with it. I, I will find the story because it's uh, I, I put it I put it here in the uh, in the stack. It's scary what these people are are, are planning to do, it, and and this is just independent of COVID nineteen. If they if they uh, uh, implement their other economic policies, such as the Green New Deal, in conjunction with whatever 
drastic plans they have for COVID-19. Oh, I shudder. I, sh- I, I just shudder to think what these people are going to do to uh, this country. Art Laffer uh, told Just the News, the website here, that this is the best ever recovery. But you know, bottom line, the reason that's the best is because the first and second quarter were the two worst. They were caused by something not economic. They were caused by the pandemic, the first and second quarter economic activity. So Laffer points out this is not a normal recovery, say, in the sense of the Great Depression. Art Laffer said that the data from the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis would show 8% growth from the second quarter, which extrapolated over four quarters, would come to the annualized growth rate of 32%, and that's what we've got. Uh, Art Laffer said that the 30 to 35% range GDP, very nice V-shaped recovery, probably the single best quarter ever, but then again, it was the single worst quarter ever in the second quarter, the quarter preceding this one. We're just having a a really nice, sharp bounce back, which is just what should happen, and it has happened. Art Laffer is an informal economic advisor to President Trump, including on how to respond to COVID-19. He said the Q3 bounce back would not have been possible without strong economic fundamentals. He said compared to Europe, And other developed nations, the United States has recovered more quickly in part because the federalist model of flexible, decentralized government with power exercised at the state level allowed for a more rapid economic reopening in areas that were less at risk of intense COVID outbreaks. Now, you can extrapolate something from that. Take a look at these blue states that are still locked down for all intents and purposes. And then imagine what would have happened if those blue states, blue governors, Democrats, if they had opened up even just partially. If New York had just partially opened up, uh, Wisconsin, not not Wisconsin, uh, uh, Minnesota, Washington, state of Washington, uh, parts uh, parts of Oregon. If they had just opened, then we would have... Uh, even rosier economic numbers than uh, than what we have here. And the country would be doing all that much better as well. But I just got to tell you, uh, folks, the the bottom line is you cannot get rid of the virus by hiding from it. Like Dr. Fauci seems to think, you cannot get rid of the virus by shutting down your country for 111 days. You cannot do it. And they haven't done it in Australia, New Zealand, wherever it is that they think they've beaten it. They haven't. They've just prolonged and delayed the impact of COVID-19 affecting their population. They haven't gotten rid of the virus. They haven't stopped it dead in its track. They haven't done anything. All they've done is shut down, kept people indoors, made sure there's no human contact outside of families. And they're all beating their chests and proud as they can be of how they've outsmarted COVID-19. And right there is Dr. Fauci endorsing the, the whole thing. So is it true that it is the economy stupid when it comes to elections? I guess we're going to find out. GDP, 33% growth rate in the third quarter. 
We have had a 96.5% economic recovery in less than a year. We have over 17 million jobs created in 3.8 years. Pardon the sniffles. It's part of what plagues me. The 17 million jobs, 3.8 years. This includes the jobs created pre-pandemic in the Trump economy. Then we come along and the pandemic hits. We shut down. We lose millions of jobs. Now we are recreating those jobs. So if you add the jobs that were created pre-pandemic, the jobs created in the recovery for the pandemic, we're talking over 17 million. In eight years, the Obama administration created 12 million jobs. Trump in 3.8 years, not eight, but 3.8 years, 17 million jobs. Biden, Biden has pledged to end 11 million jobs with his economic plan, with his Green New Deal. By definition, the Biden economic plan is going to force people out of work by shutting various major powerful industries. Thing is, a lot of people just don't know because the drive-by media is not explaining the truth of the Biden agenda. And it really isn't even his. It's it's Bernie Sanders' agenda. It's uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, her agenda. Not only is the GDP up, but weekly jobless claims fell to the lowest level since March. The COVID shutdowns then. Experts uh, expected 751,000. I'm sorry, experts expected 778,000 jobless claims. We got 751,000, so much less than what was expected. And again, Trump beats expectations. Now, these so-called experts, they really don't expect bad results from Trump. They hope for them. (laughs) Big difference. And more often than not, they are... Disappointed. Grab soundbite number two. This is Charles Gasparino. Uh, yesterday afternoon, the Fox Business Network, the Clayman Countdown. It's Liz Clayman's show. And she said to him, as the markets crater, because they were yesterday on the COVID news and some other things, as the markets crater, the election day draws near. How are hedge funders preparing? Hedge fund traders, I know, and these are household names. They see some light at the end of the tunnel for Trump, that there are ways he can pull out a victory in Pennsylvania. There's a way he can pull out possibly a victory in Michigan. They see the enthusiasm of his crowds. They are looking at specific polling of specific districts and areas that trended to Trump the last time. Are they trending this time? And they see some pickup there in those battleground states. It's Michigan. It's Pennsylvania. It's Wisconsin. They are looking at polling data that really starts to show that there is light at the end of time. For a Trump victory is what that means. So Gasparino here is saying that the market has not baked in a win for Biden. The market is not proceeding on the assumption that Biden is going to win. And Gasparino says that traders, hedge fund traders and others, are starting to see 
light at the end of the tunnel for Trump and that it is tightening in the battleground states. Now, these are people who put their money behind their decisions. Now, this are not... For these people, in many cases, it's not about policy or ideas or politics and ideas or uh, ego policy ideas. It's about money and what it means when they haven't baked in a win for Biden. It means that they have not assumed that Biden already has this thing won and therefore they have to adapt accordingly. They think it's still possible that, uh, that Trump could pull this out. In fact... Another pollster sees a Trump win. This is a Kyle Smith story in the New York Post. This pollster uh, is Jim Lee. Susquehanna polling and research says that the president will carry Pennsylvania and will prevail in the election to go along with the Trafalgar Group's Robert Cahaley. Let me take a brief break and we'll come back and we will roll right on like nothing's stopping us. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all that coming up. The Tucker Carlson. The, what an amazing story last night. Tucker Carlson telling the story about how it turns out you it's uh, I guess it's UPS shipping some uh, some documents in, in, in guard, regarding a Tony Bobolinsky story and the Biden story is shipping some things overnight from New York to California. Somebody at UPS broke into the package and stole all of it. And it's a it's a fascinating story. They had made copies. The Fox people had made copies, so they, they, they weren't out anything. But it is an amazing story. We'll get to it in due course. Hang on. Here is what I had. I was uh, I was reading the audio soundbite roster before the program. And this is where I saw Dr. Fauci. It was Shepard Smith on CNBC. The news was Shepard. Now, I shouldn't point this. I, I should have. But, Mr. Snurdly, have you heard that Shepard's uh, ratings over at CNBC, they're not doing well. I mean, I'm like bottom of the, I mean, it's, it was really the, the lowest rated. Uh, I'm sorry to point it out. I've I got nothing against Shepard. I couldn't care less. But anyway, yeah, Dr. Dr. Fauci on the news with Shepard Smith, he asked Fauci about the recent spike in coronavirus cases, and this was the conversation. In Melbourne, they had a 111-day lockdown, started with 20,000 cases a day, and two days ago they had zero cases. Why can't we do that? When you talk about lockdowns, that certainly they were extremely successful. What Melbourne did, what Australia did as a country, was very successful. I was on the phone with my Australian colleagues two nights ago, and they were describing exactly what you said. God forbid. Uh, folks, if, if, if 111-day lockdown, Melbourne, started with 20,000 cases a day. Two days ago, they had zero cases. Why can't we do that, Shep? Why can't we do that? We could, Shep. We can destroy the economy and take the world economy with us. Well, we can do that. There's no reason to do it. The mortality rate for COVID-19 is plummeting. The death rate is way down. There isn't any reason for this panic. There isn't any reason for this 111 days of lockdown. 
We've been there, done that. We destroyed livelihoods. We blew up people's dreams. We still have parts of cities and towns boarded up. I, I, I don't even know if, if Shepard's right here. I think it might have been New Zealand that shut down for 111 days. Regardless where it was, it isn't necessary. And they're going to be they're going to they're going to face a spike. You shut down for 111 days. You're not getting rid of the virus. You are not destroying the virus. You're not wiping it out. You reopen after 111 days. You're going to have a spike. You're going to have a COVID spike. All they're doing is delaying the inevitable. Okay, quick, quick break here. Sit tight, folks. We're coming right back. Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh and the EIB Network. Here we are meeting, surpassing audience expectations every day. Meaning it's well worth your while, well worth the investment of your time to tune in to the EIB Network. Telephone number 800-282-2882. Debbie Dingle last night, she's the widow of the... Did John Dingle... Yeah, he passed away recently. Debbie Dingle, Democrat Michigan, was on CNN Today talking about the state, the presidential race in Michigan. Listen to this. It's tightening here in Michigan. Some of the auto workers who I thought were going to go back to Joe Biden were very clear with me last night. They were voting for President Trump. We had 90,000 voters that didn't even vote in the presidential election last time. We've got to make sure that people vote in the presidential and the Senate race. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sounding the alarm bells like I was four years ago. That it's competitive, it's tight. Yeah, it's competitive, it's tight. I got uh, people, a lot of auto workers I thought were going to vote for Biden. Very clear with me last night, they're voting for Trump. She just discovered this. This is, I think, if these Democrats are running around and talk to people, they would make this same discovery themselves. They do not know what's happening out there. They're believing their own polls just like they did four years ago. They're believing this is over. They're believing that it's going to be a pretty much Biden landslide. And then they go out and they talk to people. Whoa, God, I've got 90,000 auto workers. Didn't even vote in the presidential election last time. Who do you think is telling her they're going to vote Trump? It's these people. People didn't vote last time. They're voting Trump. That's what she's trying to tell these people at CNN. It's tight out there. It isn't over out there. I'm not sounding the alarm bells like I was four years ago, but it's competitive. She is sounding the alarm bells. So I think I think this is a fascinating little bit of it, this is the kind of information that you're not going to see reported in uh, too many places, but it's one of these little giveaways. When you talk to an actual Democrat in an actual battleground state getting surprising information in terms of what the expectations are. I think this is commonplace, and it would be happening all over these battleground states if Democrats would do it. Now, last night, I started getting uh, massive quantities of messages and emails from people who wanted me to see something. And what it was, was an endorsement of President Trump by Jack Nicholas, the 
greatest all-time professional golfer in the world. And I want to read his endorsement to you. And I want to tell you a little one, one Jack Nicholas story. I've had the privilege over the last three and a half years to get to know our current president, writes Mr. Nicholas, a little more as his term has progressed. And I've been very disappointed at what he's had to put up with from many directions. But with that, I have seen a resolve and a determination to do the right thing for our country. President Trump has delivered on his promises. He's worked for the average person, in my opinion. He's been more diverse than any president I have ever seen. He has tried to help people from all walks of life equally. I'm just a guy from Ohio, a Midwestern middle-class family whose grandfathers both worked on the railroad. They gave their son, my father, the opportunity to pursue his education and his American dream. I was taught strong family values. I worked hard to pursue my own dreams, my own American dream. I also believe that Donald Trump's policies will bring the American dream to many families across the country who are still trying to achieve it. Now, you might not like the way our president says or tweets some things, and trust me, I've told him that. But I've learned to look past that and focus on what he's tried to accomplish. This isn't a personality contest. It's about patriotism. It's about policies and the people those policies impact. Donald Trump's love for America and its citizens and putting his country first has come through loud and clear. How he has said it has not been important to me. What has been important are his actions. And now you have the opportunity to take action. I know we're only a few days away from November 3rd and Election Day, but I am certain many of you have not yet made up your minds. But if we want to continue to have the opportunity to pursue the American dream and not evolve into a socialist America, have the government run your life, then I strongly recommend you consider Donald J. Trump for another four years. I certainly have. And I've already cast my vote for him. Trump responded on Twitter. Jack, this is a great honor. Thank you very much. I've told all of you that one of the greatest aspects of the success that I've enjoyed over the course of my life has been the opportunity to meet people who are the best at what they do and to in some cases, get to know them pretty well and learn from them. It's one of the greatest perks that I can cite. And it's it's one of the most rewarding aspects of success. And it's, 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 it's in fact, it's one of the least, uh, I didn't think of it I, as, as I was, you know, we all dream of success when we're young and we all, hope to achieve it. And we all uh, wonder what it's going to be, what's going to be like, how it's going to manifest itself, what's, what's success going to really mean. And you 
create hopes and dreams about what even that means. And meeting great people and learning from them, that was that was something I, I well, I thought that it might happen, but it was not something that I was put at the top of the list of things that, that would be a part and parcel of success. But it turns out that it maybe is the best perk. And I've I've had the good fortune to play uh, golf with Jack Nicholas a few times. One time was after Thanksgiving last year. And I just wanted to – I was playing well this day. And I had met Jack a number of times before. I just – I hadn't played golf with him. Uh, I think this was the first time I'd – no, it was the second. But but regardless, it was it was one of the one of the few times. And you can just identify classy people by the way they do things. And that day we were playing, the day after Thanksgiving, I was playing particularly well, which was a plus for me. I mean, the last thing you want to do is go out and be hacking it around and duffing it around and embarrassing yourself when you have a chance to play with Jack Nixon. Play, for me, I was playing pretty well. And as we're at the 16th hole, the second shot is a long shot, if you take it, over water. And I grabbed my six iron and I took the swing and I put it to like four feet and Nicholas drove up on his cart. He said, you know, you're, I, I've been videotaping your swing all day. I'm going to put your swing on my desk. I'm going to videotape this swing. I'm going to put it on your, I'll put it on my desk so I can learn from it. And I thought, so I just started laughing as the last thing he's going to do is do that. But that's how he chose to compliment me, to say that he was going to put my swing on his desk. Folks, that is the epitome of class. I cannot uh, – it's, it's more – hey, man, you're playing well today. Really good. He came up and made a point of telling me about my swing that he thought he could learn from it. That that's just that was just the most incredible thing. I just I felt like bowing down and thanking him so much for it. Uh but he's truly a his family was with him that day, his sons uh and it was a it was just a great day. Weather-wise it was perfect and uh, he's just a class act. So when he writes this message for people about his reasons for supporting Donald Trump. You can believe every word of it, including the parts where he says he's not crazy about the way the president talks sometimes and not crazy about the way he tweets, but that that doesn't matter. The big picture, big scheme, that doesn't matter a hill of beans to what's really important. So wanted to share that story. We've got to take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue right after this. Don't go away. A Twitter handle, at Real R. Limbaugh. That's our Twitter, Twitter handle, folks. We consolidated a bunch of Twitter pages out there. Got rid of them. We're now down to one. At Real R. Limbaugh. To the phones, we start with Dave in Chicago. Great to have you with us, sir. Hello. Thank you, Rush, for taking my call. Mega ditto. Thank you, sir. Uh, of course, I live in Illinois, a Democratic-run state. Um, once again, King Pritzker, you know, he's, in, he's imposing new restrictions on restaurants, uh, um, Chicago actually starts today. Okay, hang, hang, hang on, hang on. Let's. J.P. Pritzker is the governor of the state. That's who you're talking about. Yes, sir. And what did he do? He has, is imposing new restrictions on the state. Actually, Chicago 
County starts tonight, but Kankakee County and Iroquois and, and two or three others in the area started two weeks ago. And I'm encouraged, finally, to see these restaurants defying him and staying open. And it's an amazing thing. It lets me know that the, finally the people are saying enough's enough. You can't do this to us. It won't work. So Governor Pritzker has started shutting down restaurants again. That's, that's, that's your point? Yes, sir. And, and they're defying him. They're staying open. Right. Because they just, they, they're, they're, they're not going to willingly put themselves out of business anymore. They can't. And, and right now, I guess, a, this morning on the news, Prisker said that he's going to start getting the uh, Illinois State Police to start enforcing this. And yet uh, the restaurant um, said that they're going to sue Pritzker and said, you can't do this to us. We're hanging on by a thread. And, and it's really happening. They are staying open. And I want to see it. it finally, some encouraging things happen in this, in this state to see people saying enough's enough. You can't do this to us. Well, we'll see how it pans out. These, uh, you know, people like like uh, J. B. Pritzker. These are these are liberal Democrats who, um, they have no compunction whatsoever. But lowering the hammer, grab soundbite number twenty-five. You got to hear this. Is Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York? He was on the View today, and he's talking with uh, with Whoopi Goldberg, and uh, she said, "You know, now I'm going to ask you." You know, you're holding you-know-who responsible for every death in New York from COVID. Why? I'm holding you-know-who responsible for every death in this country. First, will be because he lied about it. He lied about it. They knew that millions were going to get infected and that hundreds of thousands were going to die. He keeps talking about the China virus, China virus, China virus, and trying to demonize China. The virus did not come here from China. The virus came here from Europe. This is all on his doorstep. You believe this? This is Andrew Cuomo blaming Donald Trump for every COVID death in the country. He is responsible for tens of thousands of COVID deaths with his nursing home policy in New York State. And he's using his friendly media to brush that aside and try to blame it all on Trump. Trump did everything he could to try to help Andrew Cuomo, including sending the hospital ship in that wasn't used. And turning the Javits Center into a, an emergency hospital facility that Cuomo didn't use. And now he's out. He's even disputing the fact the virus came from China. This virus came from Wuhan. It came from China. Parts of it, yeah, ended up in Europe. Parts of it came straight from China. Trump shut down travel from China early on. This is how drastic these people are getting. This is how you, you, get, you get the governor in Illinois now demanding that restaurants shut down again. And the restaurants, apparently, according to our caller, are, are bucking it and saying, the hell no, we're not going to ruin ourselves. And, and we'll... A bad feeling about this because Democrats do not, Democrat politicians, governors do not react well to insolence from citizens. They just don't react well to it. So we're going to see if some heads get cracked here. Phil in Cincinnati, I'm glad you called. Great to have you to EIB Network. Hi. Hey, Rush. Uh, really, Megadettos, and you are a tonic to millions of us here and around the world. So you just keep getting better. You keep giving it out. Hey, I wanted to re- uh, rewind back to Fauci and Shep Smith and Australia. I looked it up. 
Australia has a population of 25 million about. California has a population of about 29. Why doesn't Fauci get together with Gavin Newsom, shut down California, give it a test and see if it really works? You know, uh, you've reminded me of something. I like the idea. Let's 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 turn California into a into a petri dish because they're already yeah. starting to do that, and you got a governor out there who apparently is open to that kind of thinking. Our morning update today is uh, a report, if you will, on uh, the the king of California, Gavin Newsom, and the demands and the requirements and the limitations that he's placed on the citizens of California for Thanksgiving. It is, we we did the morning update, I recorded after yesterday's program, and I had people send me the story uh, overnight, and I had to say, well, it's it's, it's the morning update tomorrow. Make sure you you, you hear it. We're going to review it for you as the program unfolds today. I've got, I don't have enough time to get to it right now because I've got a break coming up. Uh, But, such things as maximum three households can get together for for Thanksgiving. You, in your own home, you must wear a mask at all times, except for when you are eating or drinking. Before you sit down, everybody in the house has to have a mask on. After you eat Thanksgiving dinner, you got to put the mask back on. And those are just two things. There is a long list of requirements. So I like the idea. If Dr. Fauci thinks they're doing it great in Australia, let's have a little test market test here in California. Let's basically shut down California. See what they've been, I think they've pretty much been doing that anyway, haven't they? Fastest three hours in media. Rush Limbaugh, great to have you with us here, my friends. Five states where voter fraud might change the election. They are Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, and Florida. And we'll have the details on this. I'm sure none of this will surprise you as we come back from our brief obscene profit time out here at the top of the hour. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. It is Rush Limbaugh and the one and only EIB Network. Happy to have you with us. As always, the telephone number, if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882. President Trump due for a rally in Tampa in about a half hour. And our microphones are there. And we will probably be jipping, little inside broadcasting lingo there, joining in progress, the the uh, the Trump rally. They, they get this. Nancy Pelosi was just on Bloomberg Television's Balance of Power show. It's hosted by a guy named David Weston. Does anybody ring a bell? David Weston, he used to be the president of ABC News. Now he's got a show. You know, I have never seen anything like this. There used to be lines of demarcation. Management was on one side and people on the air or talent were on the other side. And they never crossed over. But, but now these guys, David Weston, president of ABC News, now has his own show on the on the Bloomberg. It's just, it's just another... Probably not a big deal to any of you, but to those of us in the business, it is a classic sign of the deterioration of the news business and the whole idea of journalism. Anyway, it's an irrelevant point to the bite. He's got Nancy Pelosi on. He says, today, Madam Pelosi, we got news about the GDP number in the United States, 33% growth. Does that make you think that we may not need another stimulus as much as we thought we did? No, in fact, it is proof that we need the stimulus even more so. The reason we had a good, a better third quarter is because what we did in the CARES Act and the subsequent legislation for PPP uh, that put money into the economy, that's going to wear off and we need another infusion. What you just heard was Nancy Pelosi trying to take credit for the GDP number. She's trying to take credit for it on the basis that it was her that infused money into the economy. So what she's trying to tell everybody here is that the economy only grew because government stimulated it. And in this way, she puts forth the argument to the great unwashed that the only way to get economic growth is to have the government running things. This is a hideous example that she's offering here, but it's made to order for her purposes. 
We got 33% economic growth, and she's telling the great unwashed it's only because of the stimulus we put into the economy in Congress. It has nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with you opening back up. It's got nothing to do with Trump policies. It's got nothing to do with tax policy. It's got nothing to do with people wanting to get their lives back. No. It's all because we in government stimulated the economy. Then she, I think, makes a mistake. We need another infusion, she says. Well, where is it? You're standing in the way of it, Ms. Pelosi. You're doing everything you can to make sure there isn't another infusion. Because you don't want Trump getting any kind of credit for it whatsoever. Anyway, this is a very, very uh, uh, dangerous yet to me it is because of what she's going to be able to make people believe here is the reason for the GDP explosion. Government. You know, we're we're so dangerously close with this election to the the, the whole argument that we've had, uh, philosophical argument we've had during the course of the 30 plus years I've hosted this program is, is how do you have prosperity? How do you create prosperity for the largest numbers of people? It's been a worldwide argument. On one side, we have the Marxists and the communists, and you know what they believe. They believe that only government can do it because only government can make it fair and that there shouldn't be billionaires. There shouldn't be people with so much more than everybody else. And so government will create the prosperity and government will make sure that it's equally and equitably distributed. It never works, by the way. It never does. Then there are those of us on the capitalist side who believe in the essence of individual freedom and liberty, ambition and desire, preparation, hard work that these are the human values that are used and which determine a person's station and position in life. Now, for those who do not have uh, – for those who are in any way deficient mentally or whatever, that's, that's where welfare steps in. That's where society's compassionate comes in, to help those – who cannot help themselves. But we don't believe in destroying the ethic, the work ethic, by telling everybody that it's not up to them. And, and this, this answer of Pelosi's is, is made to order for the leftists and the communists who want people to believe that the only way to have success and, uh, and prosperity is for the government to be behind it, for the government to be pushing it, for the government to be responsible for it. Anything else is unfair and unequal and so forth. So keep a, um, keep a sharp eye on this. This is also what I've been, been talking about in recent days. And I was thinking last night that I may have sounded a little drastic yesterday. And one of the reasons that I think I might have sounded drastic is that I think even snurdly thought that I sounded a little drastic when I was describing today's American left and how we don't have anything in common with them and how they are not the slightest bit interested 
in the values that we share, that we have. And here, folks, here's the thing. I use the phrase JFK Democrats. Back in 1960, JFK, during his inaugural address, said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That is a philosophy and a statement today that does not fly in the Democrat Party. That statement JFK made directly implies that you have a duty to support your country. The country does not have a responsibility to take care of you. It's the other way around. You take care of yourself. You take care of the country. You invest in the country by investing in yourself. So it used to be, folks, Republicans and Democrats, that there were overlaps in objectives We all wanted prosperity. We all wanted a decent future for kids and grandkids. We all wanted kids and grandkids to have a good education. These are things that we held in common. These were values that we held in common. The differences, the arguments that we had, and they were knocked down, drag out, were over how to achieve it. And to the Democrats of those days... The only way to achieve all of that was through government. Government had to be responsible for education. Government had to be responsible for economic prosperity. Because only government could make it fair. Only government would be compassionate. We, of course, believed in the individual. We believed in rugged individualism. We believed in the value of work and what it says about someone. We believed in the idea that you can be whatever you want to be. You can dream whatever you want to be, and you can be it. The only thing holding you back is you. The left never did buy into that. They thought it was unfair because it's true for some people, but it isn't true for everybody. If it isn't true for everybody, then it cannot be allowed to take place. Well, today, folks, we don't even have that little bit of overlap. And that's why we're in this major knockdown, drag out era in the history of our country. We don't have, even when it comes to the idea of family prosperity, individual prosperity, just doing well in life, doing well economically, we do not have anything in common on how to do it. How to achieve it. Because the left has totally devolved into identity politics and the belief that this nation is unfair, immoral, unjust, and needs to be basically erased and reconstituted. So the arguments that we're having are knockdown, drag out with no commonality. We used to share at least some similar objectives. We don't even share those anymore. Today's American left does not believe they are possible and doesn't want them to be possible. We, on the other hand, don't want to give it up. We do not want to give up on the concept of individual freedom and liberty and let that take you wherever it takes you in life. We don't want to give up on the concept of individual responsibility. We don't want to give up on the notion 
that you are in charge of your life and that nobody better than you is out there to live it. Nobody is going to care as much about your life as you do, no matter what these people that say government's the only fair entity out there. They don't care about how you end up in life. They only tell you they do, but they don't. Nobody's going to ever care about you as much as you do. So this is basically, I mean, watering it down and diluting it some, but these are basically the times in which we live. That's what this argument in this election is in large part, not solely, but in large part about. What kind of country are we going to be? Are we going to be a country where you have some say-so in your future? Are we going to be a country where you be able to choose what you want to do in life without being punished for making the wrong decisions by your government? Or are we going to live in a country where government's going to be in charge of everything, including what you drive, what you eat, where you can travel, how you can get there because of economic policy, because of... Uh, environmental policy, because what they want to do is totally control as much of life as they can. And you're watching it. Now, I had a call last hour. J.B. Pritzker, governor, Illinois, telling restaurants, got to shut down. Restaurants are resisting. You know what Governor Pritzker has that they don't have? He has control over their liquor licenses. If, 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 If you tell a restaurant that you are absconding their liquor license, that you are taking the liquor license away. You're basically shutting them down. You'll find that a lot of restaurant owners will do whatever they've got to do to maintain the liquor license. It's major profit center. Governor Pritzker, if he wants, with these insolent restaurant owners refusing his demand that they shut down and ruin their livelihoods again... If they're going to stay open, he can just come in and close them down via their liquor license. He can't serve booze in here anymore. Now go try to make a profit. And he would do it. Any number of Democrats would do it. They are vindictive and mean. They're not interested in working with people. They're interested in issuing orders and having people follow them. Anyway... A brief break. We'll come back and we will continue uh, right after this, folks. Do not go away. All right. Thanksgiving is going to be here before you know it. The only question is, are you going to feel like giving thanks for anything? Time will tell. Now, if California King Gavin Newsom gets his way, it's going to be a Thanksgiving that you and your family and some of your friends will never forget. Governor Newsom and the California Department of Public Health have issued new regulations that will determine how citizens are permitted to celebrate Thanksgiving holiday. Every single Thanksgiving gathering held in California must include no more than three households. Now, I don't know how many people that is. I've got people emailing me saying, Rush, the maximum number of people you can have at Thanksgiving in California is six. Six people? I guess they would know. Uh, Let me check one thing. I've got a little sheet. No more than three households, including... 
Your own make it. I can't find a thing. You're allowed to gather an open part. Well, I can't find anything about numbers. All I can find here is no more than three households. I guess if your household has 10 people and another household has 10 and another household has 10, you have 30 people. Is that right? It doesn't make. It's unclear how many people we're talking about, but I'll guarantee you it isn't many. The reason for this is that Governor Newsom has determined that if people from more than three different households gather, the increased chances of transmitting COVID are just too high to risk. California residents must also hear, learn, and obey the following. Governor Newsom says that the people of the state must wear masks in the house, Before and after they eat, residents are to avoid singing and chanting and shouting because that projects the virus into the air at even greater distances. So you have to show up with a mask. You have to leave it on until you eat. Then after you eat, you have to put the mask back on. You have to shut your mouth until Thanksgiving celebration is over. Now, here is a, this, this is the, the mandatory California Christmas Thanksgiving gathering guidelines, the official guideline checklist. No more than three households, including your own, may gather. The host of the gathering must collect all names and addresses of those attending. All gatherings must be held outside. You can go to the bathroom inside if the bathroom is frequently sanitized. You are allowed to gather in an open park, three households only, but no concurrent gatherings like with people you know in the same park. All seating must be socially distanced. All food must be in single-serve disposable dishes. You have to wear a mask at all times unless you're eating. You can only gather for two hours maximum. Singing is discouraged. But if you have to sing, you have to wear a mask. And you have to sing below a standard speaking voice. Those are mandatory California Christmas and Thanksgiving gathering guidelines. That's just a taste of what's coming if Joe Biden and the Democrats win this election. It's just a taste of what's coming. Pretty soon, guidelines like that are going to have no limitations on not just Thanksgiving and not just Christmas, but whenever they think it's necessary to limit your freedom. And if you think after we get past the pandemic, whenever that is, if you think they're going to give up the kind of control that they are exerting over people during the pandemic, you've got another thing to think about because they're going to create new reasons to not lose control over you the way they're exerting it here and now. Let me grab a quick call before we run out of time. Ray in Mayville, Michigan. Welcome, sir. Great to have you with us. Hi. Hi, Rush. I'm praying for you. Thank you, sir, very much. Say the progressives, Biden, Kamala, their rhetoric is uh, we must move forward. We've got to change just for the sake of change. We can't go back. And I agree wholeheartedly we can't go back. We can't go back to a president that runs around the world apologizing for America. 
we can't go back to a president that says America is no longer a Christian country. We can't go back to a president that says the big jobs, the good jobs, they're gone. They're lost forever. Get used to the new normal. Get used to higher taxes. Um, regulations on businesses that just uh, chase them away. We can't go back. And Biden was part of that team. And uh, it, we we vote Joe Biden in. We're going to go back. The very government that these socialists want to install, socialism, individuals are fleeing to America from all over the world to get rid of it. To get away from and it, yes. Get away, get away from it, to get away from it. And uh, everywhere that it's been tried, it's failed. Yes, but that's only because we haven't had the right people trying it. We haven't had the right amount of money spent on it. That's what they tell you. Um, anyway, I'm glad you called out there, Ray. we got to go. Quick time out. Back with much more right after this, folks. Sit tight. The Trump rally is getting ready to commence in Tampa, and it is massive. The numbers of people there are just massive. There's a number of online sites where people have already logged in to watch the Trump rally. Some 75,000 people already logged in at one particular site. It has not yet begun, but our microphones are there. Folks, I want to remind you about Legacy Box when I have a, a chance here. Legacy Box is the company that digitally transfers old family movies and videos that you can't watch anymore because you don't have a way to play them. You've got... Betamax video. You've got VHS, but you don't have a Betamax or video player anymore. Same thing with Super 8 film. you got all kinds of the film, but you don't have a projector to play it. Some of these family memories have not been seen in decades. And you keep thinking, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I know I can get them digitally transferred somehow, somewhere. I'm going to do it, but you never have done it. Well, now is the time. And Legacy Box is the outfit to do this work for you. Legacy Box, take all your old family memories, transfer them onto computer files that can be shared with the entire family. And, you know, a gift like this could be more heartwarming than, than being able to share and relive favorite moments because that's actually what you're able to do here. And some members of the family are going to see people they haven't seen in a long time, maybe if ever, only heard about them. If you're the one in the family holding on to boxes of video cassettes, film reels, old photos, get in touch with Legacy Box. What they'll do is send you a box that's made for shipping all this stuff. It's protected so it doesn't get damaged in transit. And you ship that box off to their Tennessee facility. And in a couple of weeks' time, you're notified that the computer link is ready. You can choose to have... Uh, uh, all the information on a DVD or on a thumb drive or a cloud link, however you want it. it it's your turn now. It, telling you they make it easy and, and they take very good care of the original films and photos and videos. You'll, you'll get it all back once they've finished the digital transferring process. Legacybox.com slash rush is the site. Legacybox.com slash rush. If you go there now, you'll get a 40% discount on the original cost. So this is the time to do it. Plus, with the holidays coming up, what a great present gift this would be 
for everybody in your family. And you'll be amazed how much this does not cost, folks, especially with the 40% off. Legacybox.com slash rush. Okay, uh, this is Carrie. Back to the phone. Salem, Oregon. Welcome to the program. Great to have you. Hi. Hey, thanks, Rush. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime listener, and I'm praying for your recovery. I thank you very much. Hey, um, one thing quickly before I get to my point. I want people to know there's a lot of support for Trump in Oregon, but because we are such a rural state, Portland overrides us. That's why we're blue. So he's got a lot of people that love him and are voting for him here. Just want people to know that. Okay, we're good. We're, well, we're not, we're not going to hold Portland against you. Don't worry about that. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, my point. Got up this morning, turned on Fox. First thing I saw was people attacking the Girl Scouts for congratulating Amy Comey Barrett. Right, I saw that. And also, they had on their on their screen all of the women who have been and are on the Supreme Court. What the heck? I even heard that someone was threatening to um, to start producing thin mints, which, you know, is what the Girl Scouts sell. I, I just want to hear what you have to say about that. Uh about what the Girl Scouts not being allowed to make thin mints anymore? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, there was somebody um, who actually threatened to start making those, and that's their main fundraiser. I mean, that's that's what they get supported by. Okay, I'm I'm totally confused. The, the, the... What's that? What are you confused my, about? My. my... Have you heard about this? Oh, oh, oh. I, you're, you're not asking me about Thin Mints. You're asking me about, about something else? About the whole thing that's happening. I want to know what your thoughts are. Uh, okay. Well, let me... I think I've got the story here in the uh, in the stack. Uh, I do know that the the Girl Scouts officially thanked or, or, or um, congratulated... Amy Coney Barrett for making the Supreme Court, and they were dumped on. Ver- Can you tell me what? Maybe you've got it in front of you. Ah, here it is. Here it is. Girl Scouts deletes tweet congratulating. Here it is. Uh, Girl Scouts have been forced to delete a tweet that they posted congratulating Amy Coney Barrett on her appointment to the court because of the backlash on social media. They deleted a tweet congratulating Amy Coney Barrett after the post triggered apparent backlash on social media. The post read, Congratulations, Amy Coney Barrett, on becoming the fifth woman appointed to the Supreme Court since its inception in 1789. He had a photo of other female justices, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose seat uh, Amy Coney Barrett filled along with uh, Sonia Sotomayor. The Post received, the the Girl Scout Post received criticism from uh, social media. The actor Amber Tamblyn tweeted a scathing rebuke. Folks, look, um, this is just the continued assault on the United States of America. It's an assault on American history. It's an assault on American values. It is a direct assault on the traditions and institutions that have defined American greatness. This is what we're in the midst of here. This is what this campaign is about. This is what this election is about. It's what the last 30 years have been about. 
It's about the left getting away with this with no pushback. So the Girl Scouts tweet out a congratulation to Amy Coney Barrett, and now they've got to withdraw it. Why? Because some people we've never heard of bitch, whine, and moan about it on social media. Screw them! But that's not what we're doing. We're all kowtowing and we're all backing down. We don't want to be offensive and we don't want to offend them and so forth. We're trying to buy a little peace by letting them have what they want. You can't buy peace with these people because that's not what they want. They're trying to destroy the definitions of this country. They're trying to destroy everything that defines this country as unique and great. They're trying to eliminate everything in this nation's past that they find offensive. That's I can't understand why Biden is getting the level of support that he's getting. I can't it, it can only be because a tremendous number of Americans to this day still don't know what actually is going on. They watch it happen. They watch speech shut down on campus. They watch people violently attacked on campus for saying what they want to say, basically for saying conservative things or things that dovetail with American traditional values. They watch looting. They watch destruction. They watch rioters set fire to American cities. And we're about to elect the political party that supports that. I don't understand it. I haven't understood it for a long time. It's happening right in front of our eyes. It's not as though this is a gigantic, hidden bunch of activity that's taking place out there. They are destroying our past. They're tearing down statues. They're tearing down every bit of evidence of our greatness from the past. They're doing everything they can to intimidate and frighten people into expressing support for anything positive about the country. Everybody in the world can see it. To me, there ought to be a secret, gigantic backlash waiting to show up and vote and render these people the minority that they are. But I don't know that that's going to happen. All I know is this. Back when I was growing up in my little hometown of 25 or 30,000 people, this kind of stuff had started. It would have been shut down before it got anywhere near a threatening size. People would not have put up with it. They wouldn't have put up with destroying storefronts and looting. They wouldn't have put up with stores being burned down simply because of political protest message. wouldn't have put up with it. But somewhere along the line, we started putting up with it. Somewhere along the line, we started saying, well, I guess it won't hurt if they did. Let's let it get out of their system. And I think what was missing was that there was never a proper explanation to people why this stuff was happening. And to the extent that those of us who tried uh, probably weren't believed. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a tough sell to come along and say, "Folks, these people are trying to ruin our country. They're trying to destroy." Ah, oh, come on, Rush. Don't you think that's a bit of a extreme reaction? No, it's not extreme. If if anything, I'm underselling what's happening here. 
If anything, I'm soft-selling it. These people are out to destroy everything that has defined this country's uniqueness and greatness. Why, Rush? Why would they want to? I don't know. They don't like it. They're communists. They're Marxists. They don't fit in. They're oddballs. They're, they're, they're weirdos. They're multiculturalists. They're ticked off about something. They're offended. I don't give a rat's why. Just because they're mad and offended doesn't mean they get to rule the roost. But yes, it does. Yes, it has. The offended have gotten to do whatever they want to do. We can't have these people offended. We can't have their feelings hurt. If it means tearing down statues, if it means destroying churches, if it means destroying religion, if it means attacking God, Christmas, things uniquely country, uh, uniquely American, we've sat by and we've let it happen. We've let them destroy our schools rather than run the risk of our kids getting bad grades. We've let them ruin education. So now... What do you think, Rush? The Girl Scouts have been penalized for congratulating Amy Coney. What do you think is going to happen? The Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, they've been destroyed, folks. They may as well not even exist in terms of what they used to be. They've been targeted because they are distinctly American value-based organizations. And they were attacked on the basis that they were homophobic, which was an absolute crock. So pardon me if my patience is a little short here. I got to take a brief break. We'll do that and come right back. Don't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, the the Girl Scouts are like the Boy Scouts. They're not what they used to be. They've been commandeered and taken over. And on the basis of the Boy Scouts, because they were homophobic and they wouldn't allow uh, gay scoutmasters or whatever, they, whatever the whatever the the garbage argument was, and so the Boy Scouts kowtowed and caved in, and whatever they were is gone. Same thing with the Girl Scouts now. The Girl Scouts, um, they're all about teaching little girls about abortion, feminism, climate change, global warming. They've been taken over, just like the Boy Scouts were. And it's, it's not just them. It's every American institution that was distinctly and uniquely American, has been targeted for destruction on the basis that it's racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobic, anti-LGBTQ, or whatever the hell it was, and we just stood aside and let it happen. Sorry. That's why this election is so important. This, this, This election is an attempt to put the brakes on it again, like 2016 was. And you'll notice what happened after 2016. They refused to accept the results, and they have been trying to make everybody's life miserable ever since. And it's only because we got a guy, Donald Trump, willing to put up with the personal attacks and not cave into these people that we haven't lost at all as of now. I, for the life of me, don't understand how the Democrats even have a holy prayer of winning this election. If this country... If we are still the United States of America and we still have a majority of people of distinct, unique American cultural values, the left ought not have a prayer. But this is why I've been trying to make the point. Biden, he doesn't have a connection with anybody. Nobody could care less. He's got a D next to his name. That's all he is. 
And that D means a bunch of lies. It means they care more than anybody else. It means they're compassionate. It means they're fair. It means they're not mean-spirited. It means all you got to do is look at Hillary Clinton if you want to dispel the notion that they're not mean, that they're not angry. Hillary Clinton dispels every notion about the American left. She puts the lie to every notion of it. There is no more angry, upset, deranged female in the country today than Hillary Clinton, the most cheated-on woman in America. And there's nothing about her that illustrates positively what the American left is about. This is what's been so distressing for so long to me personally, and that is that the... If if we still have a majority of people in this country who are distinctly, uniquely American in terms of the the values that they live by and hold dear and cherish, the American left ought not have a prayer of winning the election. But look, I'm not naive. I know the election is not about that. The election is about Donald Trump's personality. The election is about how suburban women don't like Donald Trump because of his tweets and because of his hair and because of his personality. That's what Jack Nicholas is trying to get everybody to wake up to. None of that matters. Given everything else that's on the line, given everything else that's at stake here, none of that matters. Then you've got the entirety of the U.S. media, which has abandoned journalism and is now totally devoted to left-wing Democrat Party activism. But they do it under the guise of journalism so that most people apparently think what they're watching is journalism rather than left-wing activism when they watch the news. There is so much deceit. Such an intricate web of deceit that has been woven for the past number of years in this country. People are, I guess you almost have to forgive them for getting caught up in it. Because it's been oppressive. It's been everywhere. It's been never-ending. Quick time out. Back with more in a moment. Now, the uh, the Trump rally in Tampa hasn't yet begun. Our microphones are there. And I have promised you people... Looks like it's getting ready to get underway uh, now, I think. So we'll jip it when we get back from our break here at the top of the hour. we got one exciting and busy broadcast hour remaining. Rush Limbaugh here behind the Golden EIB microphone, folks. So sit tight because we'll be back here before you know it. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're back. Great to have you with us, my friends. Rush Limbaugh, the fastest three hours in media. And we are already into our third busy broadcast hour. Great to have you with us. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. I mentioned this uh, earlier in the program, and I didn't get into any of the details. Another pollster sees a Trump win. It's a piece by Kyle Smith. And I think it's... uh, you know, he, he publishes at the uh, New York Post and National Review. And I think this is, yeah, it's a National Review piece. And it starts this way. By the way, the pollster is uh, Jim Lee of Susquehanna Polling and Research. Now, the Trafalgar Group's Robert Cahaley is an outlier among pollsters in that he thinks Trump is going to carry Michigan, Pennsylvania, or both and hence be reelected with 280 electoral votes. That's that's Cahaley. And we've been through that breakdown. We did it last week. But another pollster, Jim Lee of Susquehanna Polling and Research, echoed some of Cahaley's points about the voter known as the shy Trump voter being missed by pollsters. Jim Lee says there is definitely a submerged Trump vote. He was asked for a prediction. He hedged a little bit, then predicted a Trump win. He said, look, I can't call it if the turnout's going to be what I think Trump wins it. See, and that is the key. What is all this early voting? We just heard Debbie Dingle. Folks, the, the anecdotal evidence is that the early voting is Trump. Not the Democrats. The early voting is Trump. Debbie Dingle, Democrat Michigan, just said she was out talking to a bunch of auto workers in Michigan, and she was stunned. There were 90,000 of them that didn't vote in 2016, and a bunch of them, she says, are voting Trump this year. 
She says the Democrats have got to stop thinking that they have this thing in the bag. Now, when you look at the early vote, something like 65 or 70 million people have already voted. What is the assumption? The assumption is that it is ticked off Democrats. Oh, yeah. Democrats that have been mad ever since election night 2016. They thought they had the election in the bag. They thought it was a slam dunk, and they've been so ticked off over Russian collusion. But stop and think a minute. Everything they have believed in is not true. They have been living a lie for four years, from Trump-Russia collusion to Ukraine impeachment to you name it. Doesn't it stand to reason? See, this is my logical thinking is, it stands to reason that there are more ticked off, livid Trump voters than there are people that want to elect Joe Biden to anything. Look at the way their guy's been treated for four years. Look at the way they've been treated. Trump voters elected a president to save America. They have been laughed at. They have been mocked. They have been impugned. They have been made fun of. They have been criticized. They have been called un-American. They have been called every name in the book. Why doesn't it make sense that they have been seething out there for four years and given the chance to go out and vote and make sure that their voices heard that they are the ones in the early voting category? Why do we assume the early voters are all Democrats? Because we've got a death wish, because we have some pessimistic attitudinal problem, which is justified. I mean, we've we've taken it on the chin enough times. We've got the media against us and all that. But to me, it makes it makes as much sense that all of this early voting would be pro-Trump and that this this pent up demand, this 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 invisible turnout would be pro-Trump. I don't see Joe Biden with huge crowds of people. I don't see Kamala Harris with huge crowds of people. I didn't see Hillary with huge crowds of people. I don't see outward signs that there are gobs and gobs and gobs of people can't wait to vote for Joe Biden. I don't even see Joe Biden excited about running for president. So here comes this guy, Jim Lee Susquehanna, and he he further, he goes further than some other analysts. He suggests that pollsters may be deliberately overstating the strength of Democrat candidates in order to dampen Republican turnout. He's flat out saying that the pollsters and the media are engaged in voter suppression. And he put it in a press release. He calls it the very definition of voter suppression for a poll by Franklin and Marshall College to claim that Hillary Clinton was ahead by seven points among likely voters in surveys taken from October 26th to October 30th, 2016. There's no way she was ahead by seven or 11 points. She would have won the election if she were ahead by seven or 11 points. There's no way that was true. He calls that liberal bias, yet he notes that the Franklin and Marshall College poll and its lead pollster are still taken seriously by the media, still cited as nonpartisan experts. He thinks there ought to be professional consequences for pollsters who are so wildly inaccurate that it ought to raise serious questions about their impartiality. He's got a great point here. 
This guy had Hillary Clinton winning by 7 to 11 points one week from the election. It wasn't even close. And this guy's out there still today running a poll, claiming it's nonpartisan, claiming it's fair, claiming it's accurate. As are all of the others that got it wrong. You have to kind of hand it to these guys going public like this. Kahaley of Trafalgar, Jim Lee of, uh, of Susquehanna. Uh, this guy, Jim Lee, was not finished. He calls attention to what he describes as garbage polls, showing a double-digit lead for Biden in the past few weeks in Pennsylvania. He sees that as a replay of 2016. He says, I called on the American Association of Public Opinion Research to crack down on egregious polling to tighten standards for firms that clearly don't understand the landscape of Pennsylvania. So, anyway, let us join the Trump rally. He is in Tampa, and it just started a few moments ago. We haven't missed much. Here we go. heard of 12%, 33.1. And let me tell you what they're going to do. I never even thought of this one. They won't even talk about it. This is the biggest event in business in 50 years. Nobody's ever seen a number like this. This is bigger than any nation. No nation has a number like that. Other nations right now, they're... Look, we were compared to Europe. Germany is doing so well. France is doing so well. Everyone's doing so well. No, they're not doing well. And you take a look at what's going on. And we want the best for them. We're on their team. We want to work with them and everything else. But they're not doing well. They're spiking up big. They're shutting down. They're locking down. I disagree with that because we're never going to lock down again. We lock down. Yes, we, we will. the disease. If Joe Biden we're wins, we're going to lock down. Fauci's going to see to it. And that's what it is. This explosive economic growth is four times greater than what the experts expected. They expected a number that would be like 7%, 8%. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to go back home, you're going to say, that was incredible. Melania was unbelievable. The governor, the governor was incredible. He, I've never heard anybody speak like that. Trump was okay, too, not bad. But we have no choice. We have to vote for Trump because it's between Trump and Sleepy Joe and anybody beats Sleepy Joe. I could take a couple of these guys. They're friends of mine. No, it's They're between Trump people. and They're disaster. Joe, I will tell you. Now, do Not you Trump what and I'm Sleepy Joe's between Trump and disaster. I'm running against the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. I don't care. Win, lose, or draw. This is the worst candidate in the history. He shouldn't be there because Pocahontas kept going. Instead of getting out, then it would have been against Bernie, which would have been fine, too. You know what? You would have had a more energetic base if we had Bernie. That's one thing. Because I don't know if they have a base. Here's what's happened. He goes for a speech. They're showing you thousands and thousands. Look, as far as the, all the way back to that building, as far as the eye can see. And Biden is leaving his basement today. He took the lid off. You know what he does? He takes the lid off, runs to the closest part of Delaware, like if he can get a little piece of Pennsylvania. People in Pennsylvania are wise to him. They know all about his no fracking, no fracking, no fracking. Then he gets to Pennsylvania. He learns it's a million jobs. And by the way, Pennsylvania, they give us that you can fire up your factories. They give us the energy, and it's inexpensive energy. So he goes to Pennsylvania. All of a sudden, he changes. Yes, I have nothing against fracking. And the press doesn't call about on it, right? 
And they don't call him out on Where's Hunter. They don't call him out Where's Hunter. Now they're covering it up. Where's Hunter? Is Hunter in the crowd? They don't call him out. They don't call him out on Where's Hunter. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, some people said I get a call from all the experts, right? Guys that ran for president six, seven, eight times. Never got past the first round, but they're calling me up. Sir, you shouldn't be speaking about Hunter. You shouldn't be saying bad things about Biden because nobody cares. I disagree. You know, maybe that's why I'm here and they're not. But they say, they say, talk about your economic success. Talk about 33.1%, the greatest in history. Now, look, if I do, I mean, how many times can I say it? I'll say it five or six times during the speech, 33.1%. But you look at that, and you look at Tucker Carlson, what he did the other night. Great. Great. And followed up by Sean, and followed up by Laura, and the next day, nothing at all, right? Nothing. Nothing in the New York Times, the fake New York Times. Hey, how about Anonymous? Did we see Anonymous? A low staffer. Anonymous turned out to be a guy. I'm trying to figure out, I don't know who the hell this guy is. So the New York Times said, a senior White House official. No, he was not Nobody a senior anything. Was. This was a... Look, we are in big trouble with the press. They are truly the enemy of the people. They are the enemy of the people. So this guy, this All right, guy there you have Donald Trump, the little on. taste of the rally in uh, in in Tampa, Florida. I find it find it fascinating. He's uh, he's he's sharing with us that uh, people are telling him, "Don't waste time on Hunter. Talk about your agenda. Talk about your achievements. Talk about the record." Um, I understand that. I understand talking about Joe Biden. I don't know that all that many people care about Hunter, but Joe, yeah, you could make. Uh, you could make a case um, because Joe is actually the the uh, the opponent. Anyway, we'll take a brief time out, my friends, and we've got much more. You never know what's coming next here on the EIB Network, so hang on. People have been waiting patiently to appear on the program, and so let's go back to the phones. Uh, Ron in Modesto, California. I'm glad that you waited. Appreciate your patience, sir. Hello. Hello, Megadittos Rush, a daily listener, first-time caller, frustrated Californian. <laughs> um, listening to your show, you know, I feel we need to have a clarification and a comment and opinion. Clarification is, is that California is divided. It's an, it's, if you take I-5, it runs from L.A. all the way up to Washington. The west side of I-5 is the communist California. The east side of I-5 is the Republican California. We have to deal with those people from L.A., San Francisco, dictating everything. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that because you're in California. It's going to go blue. It always does. There's nothing us Republicans can do about it. In regards to Gavin and his illegal mandates, 
The Republic of California, we don't listen to him. We don't care. Every time he talks, another family moves out of California. So it's not going to have any impact on our Halloween, our Thanksgiving, or our Christmas. My opinion is if you're that scared, stay home. The, the, the virus is not the pandemic. The fear that they're producing from this is the pandemic. That's what I have to say. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you called. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Joe in Danbury, Connecticut. Great to have you with us, sir. How are you? Mega dittos, Rush. Hey, I called because I wanted to explain why Plugs Biden insists he'll get into the Paris Accord hoax, despite the cleanliness of our air and water. It was supposed to be Hillary's $3 trillion payoff for surrendering America to China. She surrendered. It was just another Solyndra. And I could explain why, if you're interested. Uh no, no, that's that's that. No, I'm not interested uh, in in that. That's that's uh, that's not what you said you wanted to talk about. So uh, we're we're trying to be as accommodating as we can here. All we ask is you tell us the truth. If you if you tell us you're going to talk about X and you get on and talk about Y, then we've taken your call under false premise, and that's uh, that's uh, that's that's not good. Let's go to Kevin in uh, in Louisville. Great to have you. You're next, sir. We'll give you a shot. Hey, Rush. Um, Joe Biden claims that his tax plan is to not raise tax on anybody making less than 400000 And that is really a lie because Joe intends to increase tax on corporations. Corporations really don't pay tax. They pass the taxes on to their consumers. So if I own a business and I'm selling something for $10 and I profit $1 and he increases my tax 10%, then I'm just going to raise my price $11. So in reality, with his plan, the little guy is paying all of the corporate taxes. You know, he's, he's either too dumb to grasp that or the person pulling his strings knows precisely what's going on. And they're just deceiving everybody. Of course. Of course. They, everybody knows what's going on. Look, this is something as a as a 77-year-old uh, guy with 47 years in Washington, he knows exactly what he's lying about here. He knows exactly what he's misrepresenting. There's two, two points about this. Biden has pledged that he's going to raise taxes on corporations and people who make $400,000 a year or more. Then he says that he's going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Well, folks... The mathematics is very simple. If he follows through and if they repeal the Trump tax cuts, then everybody is going to get a tax increase. The Trump tax cuts benefited people who make less than $400,000 a year. The Trump tax cuts were across the board under the premise that everybody deserves a tax cut. There's, There's no law that says just because you make X numbers of millions that you have to pay more or a greater percentage than anybody else. So there's two things here. Biden says he's only going to raise taxes on people who make 400 grand a year or more, but he's going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Well, if he repeals the Trump tax cuts, then everybody is getting a tax increase. Everybody, including you. He's lying through his teeth when he tells you if you're less than 400 grand a year that you're not going to get a tax increase. You are. The point about corporate taxes is exactly right. 
corporations pass tax increases along to the consumer as much as they can. There are some limitations they face, depending on the industry they are in and depending on the competitive times that they are involved in. You know, it's it's not axiomatic that a corporation can raise prices on a goods or services, uh, its goods or services, anytime it wants. Um, there are there are tricky ways that they can raise prices, um, but they still have to they have to be very careful that they're not doing damage to themselves in the competitive realm. If their if their competitors are not going to raise prices and they do, then they've got they've got a problem. But generally speaking, in a philosophical sense, corporations do not pay taxes. That is correct. 90% of the time, it's exactly correct. Corporations pass tax increases onto the consumer by folding the tax increase that they face into the price of whatever it is they're selling. So Kevin is exactly right about that. Kevin in Lul. Corporations, as a rule, do not pay taxes. They're happy, though, for you to think they do. Oh, they would love for you to think they're getting soaked, which is why they never complain about it. But they don't get soaked. You do. Every tax increase, you do. My good friends, I hope this doesn't happen to you. That said, there is a much better chance that you will be a victim of an identity theft crime before you're victim of any other kind of crime. Did you know that? I hope it doesn't happen to you, but those are the odds. Online identity theft is a newer kind of offense, and it's widespread out there. It's a silent crime. It happens often without anybody knowing that it's actually happened. Sometimes, most of the time, if you're a victim of cybercrime, you won't know it for a long time because cyber thieves are successful at hacking into a massive database, stealing a large number of identities, but they don't start using those things immediately. It takes some time. They sell the stolen identities, and then the people that buy them then take their time utilizing them. Nobody's in a real hurry here. Once they've got your data, they've got it. They can do anything they want with it. Then they'll maybe plant malware onto a device that reads uh, credit cards without anybody knowing However it happens, the point is you don't know it's happening unless, 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 unless you get LifeLock. Yeah, LifeLock specifically will let you know that you have been targeted. LifeLock will let you know whether they've succeeded in targeting you or not. LifeLock is the leader in online identity theft protection. Now, no one company can prevent all identity theft, my good friends, but LifeLock is the one company that provides online monitoring on your behalf. they got a full restoration team. In the event that you do become a victim, meaning they've got a team of people that will drop everything and not stop until they have resolved the identity theft and associated crimes that happen to you. Not until it's all fixed do they go away. So between that, the 24-7 online vigilance and... Uh, Experts that help you figure out what happened to restore your good name, you're going to be impressed with LifeLock's comprehensive protection. Sign up, LifeLock.com, get protected. LifeLock.com, the website, use my name, and you'll save 25% off 
your first year's plan. Let's go back to the Trump rally in Tampa, see what uh, what's, uh, what's on the agenda at this moment in time. This election will decide whether the Biden-Harris, how about her? How about her? I'll tell you what, when our great vice president, Mike Pence, debated her, it was a total... You know the expression? If it were a fight, they would have ended it. Within two days, they were saying the fake news. She did magnificently well against Mike Pence. No, no. No, she didn't. She didn't. No, that's what happens. You know, you do great, great, great. Two days later, you realize they have it down that you lost now. Mike did fantastically. He's a great vice president. He works very hard. Now, I'll tell you one thing. You know, his kids are in the military and they're teachers. I guarantee you one thing. Mike Pence has not made hundreds of millions of dollars by scamming foreign countries. Because that's what they've done. They've made hundreds of millions of dollars. And they can't, and nobody wants to talk about it. Look at that. Oh, are they doing that on purpose? Are they friend or foe? I don't know. I actually felt good. I felt water on my face. I said, where the hell is that? They may be doing that on purpose. Let's find out if they're friend or foe. And if they're foe, let's take care of those son of a bitches. Whoa! Donald Trump in a rally in Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen. He said the son of a bit me. Oh, look, they're hitting the press. (laughs) That's okay. Oh, there go the cameras. There goes a million dollars worth of equipment. Look at that. Wow. That's cool, actually. And I'll tell the media I have nothing to do with that, but it is sort of like cooling up, feeling like a little. That's great. You know, Biden is uh, appearing at a. It's amazing. And I say it all the time. I don't know if time. you call it a rally or not. Because but... we've liked Ronald Reagan. We've liked a lot of, you know, people. Mostly they're stiffs. Mostly. Generally speaking, they don't do the job, right? Take, take the president down like just a second Reagan. so I don't have to shout over him. I just want to share an observation. Biden has uh, got something going at Coconut Creek, Florida. Folks, the contrast here is just... We got a close-up on Biden. There's no sign that there's any kind of a crowd anywhere near where Joe Biden is. He's got on dark glasses that he's hiding behind. He's not wearing a jacket or a tie. He's just ranting about things and who knows what. And on the upper monitor, Donald Trump, surrounded by loving, adoring, tens of thousands of people just having the time of his life, loving Every minute of these rallies, the contrast could not be greater. All right, bring the president back up as we rejoin his rally. We love you. We love you. This guy, he hasn't cried since he was a baby and probably didn't cry then either. And now he's crying. No, there has never been that chant before, and I appreciate it. And I'll cry. That's why I ended early. I'll, I'll cry, except I don't want them to say, your president broke down in tears today. I don't know. That's not cool. We don't want... I don't know. Suburban women might like it. Why don't you try it? ...of China to say, gee, I just saw something that surprises me. You know, we've taken billions and billions of dollars out of China. Yes, we, we have. $28 billion to our farmers. That's right. right out of China. I don't want to have... 
But then the plague came in, right? Then the plague came in. That sort of everything. You know, we made a great deal with China. Yeah, the son of a bit me plague. I tell you what, it wrecked everything. I will say, three weeks ago, they ordered more corn, corn, more soybeans, more beef than at any time in the history of this country. So they obviously think I'm going to win. That's right. The Tricoms obviously think you're going to win. And they want to make us happy, but we're not happy because that should have been stopped. And it's not here all over the world. You see what's going on in Europe. It's so sad. But you see what's going on. 188 countries all over the world. What China has done to this world, what they've done. People come up to me. They're clothed in masks and stuff and this. Hello, President. Hello. I said, look, look at this. What China has done to our country. What China, what I may do that. You better be careful. What China has done to this country, which it's not the first time either. Yeah, but what are you going to do about it? They're paying. They're paying. But you can never pay for 200,000 more lives. You can never pay for that. Yeah, we can can make them pay plenty. But uh, 210,000 lives... But it would have been two million lives. It's incredible the job that we've done and that the American people have done. This could have been two million lives. He said 2.2 million lives. All right, there you have it. President Trump and the rally in Tampa. It started right at 2 o'clock, by the way. And I guess the the first 10 minutes were actually the first lady. President was standing next to her on the stage. First Lady opened the rally. She was on fire uh, as well. Then President Trump took over. has been going on um, uh, since. And he's in North Carolina later today after uh, wrapping his rally up in um, in Tampa. There's one, one thing I want to – before we go to the break here, uh, I watched Missouri Senator Josh Hawley on TV last night. He was describing – the modern-day aristocracy that is uh, suppressing free speech. He's talking about Facebook and Jack Dorsey and Twitter. And he's he's basically describing uh, this modern-day aristocracy. He says, if, if you want to know what it's like to live in an aristocracy, just open your eyes. This is it. One tiny group of, I mean, in Jack Dorsey's case, really weird people control what we're allowed to say, what we're allowed to share, who's allowed to report on what. It's just absolutely ludicrous. Senator Hawley called it a modern-day aristocracy that will continue until Congress stops it. But there's something I saw last night, actually yesterday afternoon during the program, and I commented on it, but I didn't spend enough time on it, and, and it was this. The subject is the New York Post. The New York Post has the details on everything involving the Joe Biden financial scandal involving his son, Tony Bobolinsky, it is dead to rights because they have the source material. They have the Hunter Biden laptop. None of it is written by anybody but the principals in the story. Jim Biden, the brother of Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the son, Bobolinsky and others. So what does Jack Dorsey say? Jack Dorsey says, well, we're not going to let any of that laptop 
be seen on Twitter because we're not going to allow the New York Post to be seen on Twitter. Because the New York Post obviously hacked the material in order to get it. So whether the material that they have is true or not doesn't matter. Jack Dorsey said the New York Post hacked the computer, but they didn't. There was no hack. There has, but even if it was, who is Jack Dorsey? As as Senator Ted Cruz said yesterday, who the hell elected Jack Dorsey to determine who gets to see what in America? Who elected Jack Dorsey to determine whether something is hacked or not? Who elected Jack Dorsey to decide if something is hacked, nobody gets to see it? Who elected him to make this decision? Well, Rush, it's his company. He can determine what he wants on his company and uh, not. Yeah, but not when he portrays it to be something else. Not when he promotes Twitter to be something that it obviously isn't. But, I mean, it's a dangerous thing. It is a truly dangerous thing. A misrepresentation. There is no hack here. The New York Post didn't hack anybody. They got hold of the laptop. The laptop is Hunter Biden's. The, 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 the information on the laptop is provably, demonstrably, provably true. Jack Dorsey is declining to let any of it be seen on Twitter because he claims the New York Post has direct materials. That's his term, direct materials, meaning they hacked the computer. It's all bogus. But it's it, it really is also, Josh Hawley says, modern-day aristocracy, it's going to go on until Congress stops it. I, I'm, folks, I, I, I need to really apologize. I've, I've been in a foul mood all day for a host of reasons, but this is... This is just one of those reasons. It's going to go on until somebody stops it. We've been saying that for 25 years. It's going to go on until somebody stops it. We're going to let the left destroy American history. We're going to let the left destroy American culture. We're going to let the left destroy everything that has been built up with great American values and traditions until somebody stops them. They're going to get away with it, Rush, until somebody stops them. Who stops them? Nobody stops them. The Republicans don't try to stop them in Congress, House and Senate. Nobody tries to. The only guy that's trying to do anything to slow these people down is Donald Trump. And we might not elect him because of his eyebrows, for all I know. Back it up. Okay, let's quickly get back to the phones. There's still a lot of people here who have been waiting patiently. This is David in St. Paul, Minnesota. Welcome, sir. It's great to have you here. Hi. Thanks, Rush. You know, when the person earlier asked why are the Antifa BM doing what they do in the streets, you made a simple but a, a very profound statement because they don't fit in is what you said. And look, Rush, these were the kids in grade school, high school, college. They weren't athletes, so they couldn't hang out with the jocks. They weren't smart, so they couldn't join the chess team or the debate team. These were the punks that dressed up in goth, cut their forearms on a regular basis, who hated themselves, hated everyone around them, and now it's manifested itself in this Antifa anarchist BS. 
and this self-loathing that they have, it really does sum up the left to a T. It's exactly who they are. It has long been my belief that, that, look, all of this is housed, if you will, in the what's called a multicultural movement. And I firmly believe that multiculturalism is, is honestly and literally the root of the vast majority of problems we're having in America today. And, and multiculturalism came about exactly as you have just quoted me. It's a bunch of people who, for whatever reasons, and, and they're everywhere, don't fit in. They're oddballs, kooks, weirdos, however, at least as societal norms are defined. The, the, the sad thing is that a lot of us would qualify as oddballs and weirdos and kooks, depending on how norms of the day are defined. What we have here is a movement that has attempted to harness this resentment and hate and to politicize it and turn it against the country. And therefore, the country now, under the guise of multiculturalism, the country is being blamed for what these people think are their own shortcomings. The country is to blame for them being oddball. The country is to blame for them being weirdos. The country is to blame. And so they comprise the offended. These are the people who are the offended. And they have been able to take out their anger and resentment on everybody else by getting the offended, or them as the offended, to get everybody else to have to stop what they are doing. Because it's offending them, it's bothering them, whatever, and it's given them political strength and power. It's been harnessed by uh, education, and that's where it has been empowered. And it, look, it's a little bit more complicated than this, too, but that at, at, its, at its root, this is what uh, we're up against. I wish I had more time to evolve this further, but I will another time. Hang on, folks. All right, folks, that's a proof of fastest three hours in media, and we are done. But fear not. We're back tomorrow. Open line Friday, which means you can bring up anything you want. You just can't lie about it. You got to be honest, but you can talk about whatever you want. Be thinking about it and we will see you in 21 hours. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.